I've only introduced uh, Kathy Noling once. I want to introduce her twice uh, before she uh, shares with you her story and her uh, her journey with Christ this morning. Kathy, come on a little closer to me. I got to put my arm around you. Uh, she was my wife's roommate the summer we met, and. Uh, Played a mean ukulele, I remember, and she might pull that out with her uh, her kazoo uh, for us sometime. But everybody knows Kathy uh, loves her sense of humor, uh, appreciates uh, her keen mind. Uh, but without exception, we we really appreciate her love for Jesus Christ and for uh, college students. Uh, she's quite a lady, a woman of God and a woman of a uh, real substance. Uh, she's wise and. Uh, has a lot to share, and I, I'm thrilled to introduce her as the assistant campus pastor. And I want you to pray with me for Kathy as she uh, kind of introduces herself to you this morning. Father in heaven, thank you for this dear sister, for her faithfulness over the years, uh, for all that you've put in her. Lord, we believe that you brought her to uh, Westmont College for a time such as this. And so, Lord, we receive your gifts to us through this dear woman. Lord, anoint her, give her joy as she speaks, make her relaxed and faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't think you're ever going to hear me play the kazoo up here, but I sure did want to dance this morning. I thought that was just so fun coming in and listening to that music. Well, stories, stories, we all like stories. Jesus used to tell stories, and uh, he would tell them to people so that they could understand what he was trying to say. But sometimes, uh, as he'd tell those stories, there would be some people kind of scratching their heads a little bit and going, huh? But he told stories. And through those stories, people learned about him and his father's kingdom. Well, when I was growing up, we had a lot of stories, too. My father was a, uh, a writer, and he loved to read stories to us. And my brothers and I would kind of lay around. Well, my brothers always laid around, but I would kind of lay around, and I... <laughs> Ooh, boy, if they hear this, this isn't going to be good. Um, but we would listen to the stories that my dad would read and um, just relish those. You know, and it's kind of sad because today when you hear stories, it's, it's not quite as frequent, is it? Um, stories play to our imagination and help us to, to understand a world that's much bigger than ourselves. And it seems like stories are almost all but lost as we look at computers and we study television screens and watch films. And I hope that stories will, uh, will re-enter the scene in a grand way one of these days. But uh, I felt like I was the fortunate benefactor of, of storytelling. So I want to tell you a story. And it's a story of a young woman that I met uh, in college. Actually, there's almost a dual story here. This is about a young woman that I met in college. And she was only at that college for a short time. But while she was there, we got to know each other pretty well. She was a Christian. As a matter of fact, uh, she had come to know Christ about the age of 12 at a Christian camp. Uh, she didn't really come from a Christian home. Her folks dropped her off at 
Sunday school each morning. Sometimes they'd come if she was singing in the choir. But um, she became a Christian at 12 at camp at one of those wonderful campfire experiences. And when she accepted Christ into her heart at that camp, she knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that something was different. But you know how you go through high school and, eh, you know, you kind of forget some of those things sometimes. And, uh, and, and she held on to the Lord, but she kind of had a foot in two worlds. She had that foot that was in the world of her youth group, and, uh, and, and she, she enjoyed that. But she also kind of had another foot with group of friends that uh, wouldn't even set foot themselves in a church. And so um, so she kind of went back and forth a little bit. But by the time she got to her senior year in high school, um, the church had won her over. And uh, she had both feet in that place. Well, when she was 18 and very involved in this church by now, she had the opportunity to go on a summer mission trip called a deputation project. And uh, the church was sending her, and actually a good friend of hers as well, back to the East Coast to uh, work at a camp. And it was a camp for uh, inner city kids. She was very excited. She and her friend would be counselors all summer long in a beautiful mountain setting and have a little time off to see the East Coast. She was a West Coast kind of kid, so East Coast was a a fascinating kind of a thing. And the thing that made her the most enthusiastic was that she was going to be able to share the Lord with these kids. I mean, she had had this enthusiasm about sharing the Lord at this summer camp. But the summer was much harder than she uh, or they anticipated. It was not like the camps that she'd attended before. They all slept in tents all summer long, and actually that would have been okay, except that it rained all summer, and they had to cook on an open fire all of their meals. The mosquitoes were as big as birdies, and she got poison oak that lasted a good bit of the summer. And not only that, but the kids were hard to work with. They were uh, coming, many of them, from very broken backgrounds. Most didn't come to camp, interestingly enough, with much more than the clothes on their backs. They fought with each other, and lots of them wet their beds, and they never wanted to do camp activities that were planned for them. The rest of the camp staff watched these two young women that came from the West Coast, and they kind of ridiculed. Instead of building up their faith and their enthusiasm, they kind of ridiculed it. Consequently, this young woman felt like she was in over her head. Gradually, she became defeated and tired, and she counted the days until she could go home. When things were at their bleakest, there was a a ray of hope. Before she went away for the summer, she had applied to a Christian college, and uh, she got her acceptance during that summer. And... uh, That was something really to look forward to, something to hope for. And so uh, she knew she could endure the rest of the summer with that hope in front of her. And thankfully, that summer came to an end. She returned to the West Coast, just had a couple of days to pack her things, and uh, off she went, headed for college. Well, now she'd already been away longer than uh, she'd ever been away from home before, and her family was 
kind of sad because they hadn't anticipated that she'd be doing this, but she was looking forward to the independence in a big way. She was looking forward to the independence. And so she left, and she went to college. Well, now when she got there, she had envisioned something a little different than what she found. She'd never seen the campus before. She was pretty young, and she felt pretty alone also amidst all the other students, all the students that seemed to know each other really well, and she was a little fish in a big pond. To make matters worse, things were overcrowded and there wasn't a room for her. And so she was placed in a study room by herself until something opened up. Alone in that room, she had time to reflect about the summer. And as she did, she became disappointed with God. She became disappointed with herself and she became disappointed with her faith or lack of it. Reflection was all well and good, but there was something called classes at the college. And uh, she needed to start going to those. Well, the college work came hard and fast, and she wasn't prepared for such rigor. And her grades began to slip. Time after time, she prayed her way to the mailbox to find out what her exam grade would be only to find her worst nightmares were coming true. She was slipping inch by inch with no recovery in sight. Perhaps the most painful irony was that her Bible grades were the worst. Well, she came back the next quarter, hopeful at having a new beginning. But her confidence had eroded. She was really not sure about this. Her study habits hadn't improved, and the hope of improving her grades was soon dashed. When she went home for spring break, she received a call from the school telling her she needed to return, pack up her things, that her grades had disqualified her to be a student in that school. Well, now, coming from the family that she came from, where academics were highly regarded, The news was devastating, but returned to an empty campus she did, where she spent several very lonely days packing and thinking about what all this was going to mean. Shortly before she left the campus for the last time, she met with the Dean of Students. It was a teary session, actually both of them were teary, but she remembered the words, the words stayed with her that the dean had to say, and it went something like this. I know it seems huge to you now, she said, but God isn't done with you yet. He has great plans for you. Hang on. Trust him. He loves you. Well, it didn't seem that way at first. It was hard to go home. It was hard to face family. It was hard to face friends. There was nothing to do but to keep on. And so she persevered and she started taking classes at the local college. That summer and the next, God provided wonderful camp experiences and uh, where she served on uh, camp staffs. And uh, those experiences more than healed the wounds of that one difficult summer back east working with inner city kids. 
In her junior year, she got engaged to a young seminarian. And in order to graduate in four years, because in her family, graduating in four years was what you did, she took 30 units the last semester. <laughs> it's like 10 classes. And, um, and then she was able to get married the next fall. Though she had been disappointed with God, the dean was right. God wasn't done yet. And he, confirmed to, he continued to do his work in her even when she had a hard time trusting. When she was six weeks away from delivering her second daughter, she, uh, she did a penguin-like pregnant walk across the stage to receive her master's degree. After that, many doors opened for ministry over the years, and she found it particularly significant when she was offered a junior high teaching position in a Christian school to teach, yep, Bible. She was to discover that her early camp and college experiences would not be the only painful or challenging experiences that she would have to face. But God was faithful and gently walked her through things, as he always had. Well, when she got pretty comfortable with the way that life was going, years later, God sent her on another adventure, this time to seminary. She didn't know what he had in mind, and it didn't seem like a small thing. It required a lot of sacrifice, especially for her family, because it would mean moving to go to seminary. But she knew, as her husband and her daughters did, that it would be okay because God had been teaching that. One day after she finished seminary, she heard from the Christian college that she had painfully left when she was 19 years old. And um, as a side note, her two daughters also came to that college, one humorously as an admissions counselor and one uh, that is now a senior. The college called and asked her to come and be assistant campus pastor. And so I guess my thinly veiled story you now know. Yes, I did meet the young woman in college, and I've gotten to know her even better since those days. But it's a story that I'm happy to tell, and each time I tell it, I am amazed by God's grace and what he has done. In his time, in his time, he makes all things new. In Jeremiah, we are told a verse that you're probably familiar with. For behold, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, Plans to give you hope and a future. For I know the plans I have for you. Right now you may be stressing about what the future holds. Some of you are seniors and you don't know what's going to happen after May. But God knows. And that's not to say it's not right to be prepared. And that's not to say it's not right to do things with excellence, but that God holds you in the palm of his hand. And I can tell you today that he knows exactly what you'll be doing when you graduate. 
and he will be loving you no less at that time than he does today. And he will be caring for you, and he will guide you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Well, the success that God gives is different than the one the world gives. It's not about money or fame, although for some here that may also be a part of what happens in your life. It's about fulfillment, rich fulfillment and purpose and a love relationship with him. Why do we sometimes think that God is out to harm us? Why? When did we get that idea? If you call him Lord, you are his child. You have his full inheritance. Everything that he has is yours. He's not out to harm you. He loves you. He delights in you. And there is nothing, nothing better than being close to him. And he will take those experiences, he will take those experiences that are difficult, which we will have difficult experiences, and he will use them to draw you closer to himself. Let him do that instead of being angry and pushing him away. Plans to give you hope and a future. Well, it's not a big surprise to say that our world is without hope. Our world is without hope. Listen to the music. Watch the films. There's a whole lot of hopelessness around us. But what is sad is that believers so often are without hope. We don't live like we have hope. We are his children, and we don't know it. We listen to the sounds of our culture, and we believe them instead of the words of our loving Father who put us here. Read his love letter, like Ben was talking about on Monday. Read his love letter and listen. Listen long enough to hear his voice. There is hope. There is hope. Grasp onto his hand. Discover him. Tell the world there is hope. Well, that's my story. Westmont's been an important piece of my journey toward God, and I praise him for that. Hear me on this. I do not want to suggest that you should fail boldly because God will make it all better. Go out and fail boldly. No, I don't think that's what we're trying to say here. <laughs> Neither do I want to suggest that God works in the same way with all of us. What I do want to say is, best described by an old Amy Grant song. Amy Grant is a gospel singer, in case some of you are like too young, you know, to remember that. Um, she sings a song that just always captured my, my attention. And it was, we're just here to learn to love him, but we'll be home in just a little while. We're just here to learn to love him. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work, 
within us. To him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Let's pray. Father, we, um, we come before you now, and some of us are afraid. We have a lot of different things that we are fearful of, Father. And right now, in silence, in our own hearts, we lift our fears to you. Father, take away our fears. Wash them with your word. Comfort us in your arms. We know we need not be afraid when you are close. And Father, some of us here are feeling pretty hopeless. And there may be a lot of reasons for feeling hopeless. Things that we can't even speak of to one another because they are too hard to speak. They're embarrassing. Father, you know why we're feeling hopeless. You know the depths of our being. You knew us, Father, before we were born. And you were right there in the nursery when we came. And you smiled. Father, for those in here today that are feeling hopeless, I pray, Lord, silently again in our hearts, we lift our hopelessness to you. Lord, you're our Father. We have every reason to hope because we're your children and you're not going to leave us alone. Thank you for the hope that you give us. Father, may we take that hope and may we share it around the world, everywhere that we go. Oh, Lord, keep us from being like the rest of the world. Lift us up that we may glorify you, Father. Finally, I would pray for those in this room have felt failure. Father, we've felt failure. We may have failure ahead of us. You see behind us, you see before us, and you know our entire lives. And I ask, Father, right now that you would hear our pleas to you. dust us off pick us up cup our faces in your hands may we see your smile Father send us on our way knowing that we are empowered by you 
by your Holy Spirit. And in you, Father, there is no failure. Lord, we lift these things to you now. Father, I thank you for failure. Because in it, you bring about new life. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please rise for the benediction. Go in peace. Find rest in him today. Look for his face and see him smiling at you. Amen.